Um, I've just been reflecting on this. And the question is this, is what I say what I do? So what comes out of my mouth, is it backed up with action? Or is there a gap between those two things? And I think that's a really important question that we need to ask ourselves and check ourselves on because really anything less than that is a little bit hypocritical. If I say I am this, but I'm not, that's a little bit two-faced. If I say I love God, but actually I really don't, really that's inauthentic and it's hypocritical. And I don't know about you, but but the world doesn't need any more hypocritical people, does, does it? We have people that say one thing when they get into government and then do completely something different. They utter things to get votes and then, oh great, we've got the votes, now we're going to do what we really wanted to do. There's something that doesn't match up with that. And when you look at the life of Christ, I can never see one instance of that in his life. He said, I've come to do the Father's will. He did it. He said, I love you. He demonstrated his love for us by not only being amongst those men at the time and women and walking it out. He then got on a cross and allowed himself to be crucified. He allowed himself to be spat on. He, he allowed himself to go through what he said he did. And as we go forward this year as a community, as the body of Christ, I would just ask you to to challenge yourself in this area. It's the thing I'm asking myself. So I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to an audience of two, which is God and me. (laughs) And we're not perfect. We're on a journey of becoming that in the spirit. Mature, that word means. It means to be mature, not to be absolutely, completely, how we think of it, humanistic and perfect, but it means to be mature. And so there's a saying Talk is cheap. Anyone heard that? I'm sure we all have. Talk is cheap. It's where the action that matters. I remember uh, when I started here in ministry and I had this chap from another country come and he'd only been here a short while. And I made the mistake being young and uh, just sort of trying to find my way and, and trying to you know, get everyone doing their thing and all that. I made the mistake of, of putting him into a role too early. He talked a good talk. He said all the right things. He looked the part. He had all the the CV. But when it came to actually living it out, he was void of everything he spoke. And it caused absolute chaos within music teams. and And it gave me a headache. And so it's so important because talk is cheap. And how many of us watch The X Factor? It's okay if you watch The X Factor. It's not a sin. I quite enjoy it. Um, Especially Simon Cowell. I just love that sort of British humor side of things that he brings. All the Americans are so nice. <laughs> Keeps it real. But, you know, in the X Factor, people come on and they say how good they are. And they're not necessarily that good. Anyone met those people? And so we're going to watch a clip. So I want you to listen to the words of this guy and just the response that the judges give him. Thanks, guys. And our next act is confident he'll impress the judges too. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Good. 
What's your name, sir? J-Star Valentine. It's my stage name. J-Star. My name's J-Star Valentine. I'm 19 and I'm from West London. The J stands for Junior. And then the star is because I have a star quality in me. Getting jiggy with it. What you do right now? I'm a part-time model, so I just part-time just to get me out there. I'm always yeah, looking good. Look at those cheekbones, man. People may say, oh, you're a pop star, but I'm not your average pop star. And I bring something different to the table. I'm going to leave a hard footprint on that room, so when I leave, they're going to be talking about me. Who was that guy? Oh, J-Star. I think I could be the next big thing. And when did you start in music? I was like 16, I started doing gigs. And do you think you can win? I'm sure, I'm sure. Come on, I'm sure. let's do this! I'm sure! <laughs> okay, what are you going to sing for us? Uh, my own version of Alexander Burke, Hallelujah. Oh, great. Okay, good luck. Can I? Got a good voice. Is it all easy to package? Very powerful. Interesting. Yeah! Major Lee, the powerful key. Composing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke a foam and she cut your hair. I'm fro. <laughs> It's not so one, you see the light, it's a cold, it's a broken, hallelujah, yeah, hallelujah, oh yeah. guys, <laughs> it's <laughs> I've heard a lot of versions of that song, but nothing as strange as that. You sang that song like a ghost. Strange. I couldn't make my mind out whether it was strange or... <laughs> I mean, it was like really weird. Were you serious? No, I was just nervous. Yeah, we're not connecting the dots. It's not as musical as maybe you're hearing inside of your head. Okay. We're gonna vote right now. You need three yes. Yeah. It's gonna have to be a no from me. It's a no from me. It has to be a no from me. And you've got four no's. Thank you for coming. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. J Star. <laughs> Interesting. Did you name I notice this massive cross? Interesting, isn't it? How his words didn't quite maybe match up with. What that cross represents, a humble person that came. But um, question for us all, and I'm just going to speak to myself and speak to us, and here's some questions. Does my lifestyle match the words that I speak? Does my lifestyle match the words I speak? If I say I trust God, is there evidence to back up that statement? Is there proof that shows I trust God. Do I have testimony? If it's the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony that overcomes the enemy, do I actually have testimony to bring? And I'm not talking about 
when I first got saved or got justified. That is a testimony and that is powerful and that's awesome. But I want to have a, a book of testimonies. I want to have a, 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 a diary of the things that God is saying, doing, showing me. So on the power of the testimonies of His people, do I have proof that matches my words? Do my words match my actions? Because then and only then am I truly authentic in my relationship with Christ. There's something missing. As I said before, Jesus didn't say one thing and do another. How many people want to be authentic in their relationship? How many people know that God wants you to be authentic in your relationship with Him? We heard that this morning. Clay very clearly spoke about how God just wants us to, to be and to acknowledge where we're at. And it's okay to acknowledge where we're at. Why? Because I've been bought with a price. I am a son or a daughter. I can't lose that. It's going nowhere. So I need to be authentic in my relationship with Him because He is an authentic God. When our brothers and sisters and people who don't know Jesus look at us and meet us, do they see an authenticity to us? Or do they see a plastic model, a replica, or a counterfeit model built up on hot air and hype? There's a lot of hot air and hype in the body of Christ today. There's a lot of building on music. There's a lot of jumping around. I'm not against jumping around. I'm not against dance. It's in the Bible. But is it authentic? That's the big question that I believe God looks at when he sees a heart. Do I put my hands up in the air because the person beside me is? Or am I putting my hands up in the air because the Spirit of God is leading me to put my hands up in the air? Do I sit down because the person beside me sits down? Or do I sit down because I'm authentic and the Holy Spirit says sit down? You can relax. Do I give finances because I'm supposed to and because someone tells me or I, I see the bucket go around, I feel this pressure so I've got to put something in to look good? What will they say if they don't? Or am I giving because I'm in this authentic relationship where out of my heart of love for my Creator, I'm giving? These are the sorts of things that be going around in my head. Here's the, probably the biggest question. Am I humble enough and free enough to acknowledge where I truly am? Because really then and only then am I living authenticity out. Am I humble enough to admit where I'm at? Knowing, once again, that the grace that covers us, you cannot go deeper. It can, sorry, you can't, it, it's like this concrete foundation that we sit on. You can't break through it. So am I humble enough to say this is actually where I'm at? There may be a massive gap at the moment between what I say and what I do. Jesus be the center of it all. Well, is he? Is, am I on a journey of him becoming the center of it all? See, let's be real. And we, I want to put this out there. The reality is that probably none of us today can truly probably say, you know what, everything I say I do. And that's okay. Because that's why he gives us grace. 
That's why he died on the cross. So his grace would be released because grace is like an umbrella that covers us from God and enables us to be on a journey of being transformed. And that's what great does. Grace does. It empowers our transformation. But to sit there and go, oh, well, it doesn't really matter because I'm saved by grace means you're abusing now grace. That is a wrong mindset and a wrong heart attitude to carry. I've heard plenty of people say, it doesn't matter how I live as a Christian, God saved me. No, it matters. Jesus said to the the Pharisees, he said, show me your life by your repentance. He said, you brood of vipers, why are you coming to be baptized? He said, by your repentance, show me your deeds. You see, grace is this amazing thing that covers us while we're on the journey of being perfected. But we must be on the journey of being perfected. And that gap between what I say and what I do, each day, each week, each month, must be getting narrower and narrower and narrower, led by the Holy Spirit. Because, and we're going to look at this, I can't in my own strength narrow that gap. That's what we try and do. Okay, Greg, after tonight, give me the five-step strategy to how I narrow the gap between what I say and what I do. Eh, wrong question. It's this. Father, I acknowledge tonight the gap. I acknowledge the fact that at times what I sing, I do not live. What I, what I speak, I actually do not live. So please come and fill me to a greater measure. Fill me with your power so I'm enabled to see that gap shrink. Because I acknowledge tonight I'm so dependent on you to close the gap. Because I cannot in my own strength go about trying to fix that problem. Paul said it this way. I have a desire to do this good thing. I cannot do it. There is nothing good in me apart from Christ that enables me. So I need more of Christ to be able to do the desire thing that I have. Does that make sense? And too many Christians go on a journey of the physical, of the strength, of the flesh to try and fix their problems instead of just acknowledging the fact I can't and I'm dependent and vulnerable on you to fill me more of your power so I can actually live out what you've called me to do. But see, it requires humility to be able to acknowledge that because when you're human and when you have this thing called a will and a desire, I can do it, I can overcome, I can do this thing, I'm going to go on a mission to do this, I can reach the world, I can do this, I can do this. You know what ends up? You end up absolutely knackered and fatigued and spent and frustrated. Why? Because you haven't realized that not only does God save us or justify us, He has to pour himself into us for us to be able to accomplish the works that he calls us to do. And I've got scripture to speak on that. But first come with me to Matthew 23, 1 to 3. And this is where I'm just going to basically base this thought tonight. Matthew 23, 1 to 3. And it's Jesus speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees, the people that Jesus actually came for. And I think sometimes we can lose this fact that we think, oh, those are the bad guys. Pharisees are bad because they rejected Christ, but they were his people. I've come from my lost tribe of Israel. I've come from my people. So they never should have missed him, but they did. 
And he has this conversation. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Verse 3. Therefore, this is really important, all that they tell you to do and observe, sorry, therefore, all that they tell you to do, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. They had been given authority to sit in this thing called Moses' chair. They were understanding the law and they had been given this responsibility to be able to teach the law. And what they taught was accurate. The problem was they didn't model what they taught. In fact, they modeled the complete opposite. Their lifestyles didn't match what they taught. And Jesus is saying here, what they teach, do. Just don't do what they're doing. And if you go have a look at verse 4 to 12, it'll teach you some of their, some of their actions that they were actually doing. And in other parts of scripture, you see two, two men uh, in a temple praying and one says, oh, I pray like this. And he's so proud of himself. And, you know, it's the complete opposite posture of what and who they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to do. And so our lifestyles must match up with the words that we sing, the words that we speak, because it's authentic. And I don't know about you, but in my dealings with non-Christians, one of the greatest things that they come out of their mouth is, man, you guys are just hypocrites. You say one thing and don't live it. It's crazy the stats now, if you look at the stats. I remember Clay preaching this last year about marriage. It's about 50-50 in the church. I don't want anyone to be condemned tonight. I've been married myself as a non-Christian. But 50%, it's about right. The divorce rate is about the same. And yet we want to go down and march and pilfer, you know, like, and, and say about the marriage stuff. How about we start living something so we've actually got something to speak of and they'll listen to us because it doesn't matter when we say it and we don't model it. Do you know what that's called? Hypocritical. See, they want to see, my friends want to see an authentic expression of God in you. They want to hear if you struggle. I struggle. And it's okay. They actually have grace for you. And sometimes, you know, I know Christians are trying to be all macho and cool and have it all together, and it's plastic. And you know what? They can see it a mile away. The problem is the church can't. And so we can't be just built on air and sound and all that sort of stuff and great light. We need to be built on Him. And when you've been building on Him over a process of time, you know what happens? That gap gets shorter and shorter and shorter. So why is it so important that we are authentic in what we say we actually do? It's because this is just the first point. I'm glad it's bigger on there than it is on there. I'm like, mate, I'm going to need glasses. Anything less than this is hypocritical. So if you're taking some notes, and I would encourage you this year to take notes. To, to write down, because I don't know about you guys, but when I'm reading or I'm hearing and I start writing, it goes in more. 
And once again, I, I love what I heard last Sunday. Is spiritual growth doesn't just happen. You don't just come by it. It's not like you can buy it off the shelf. You've actually got to discipline. You've got to work. It's, it's a process of being led on the Spirit by Him. You can't do it in your own strength. But more you're in Him, the more He'll lead you and give you a passion for those things. How many of us love hypocritical people? We should love them. We should or we are to. Listen to what the word means. Behaving in a way that suggests one has higher standards or more noble beliefs than is the case. I'll read it out again. I know it's behind me. Behaving in a way that suggests one has higher standards or more noble beliefs than is the case. That's powerful. And we see this in Matthew 9 when Jesus is at Matthew's house and he's having a party. And the Pharisees say, look at him. What's he doing with those disgusting people? And he says this to me. He says, I don't want your offerings. I don't want your sacrifices. What I want is your compassion. See, my words match my actions. I came for people. And I'm amongst them. In fact, I'm in their house. I'm letting them touch me. I'm taking their food and their water. And I'm communing with them. My words are matching my actions. I don't know what you're doing. And I don't know what you're giving me. But it's fake. And it's counterfeit. And it ain't the real thing. There's nothing authentic about it. What I want is your compassion. I want you here with me. This is what we should be doing together. And then he says, go away and learn what I'm talking about. Because he says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. So he's actually taking the mickey a little bit. It's not the healthy. They think they're healthy. He's actually saying, go away and learn what this means. It's not the healthy that need. You're not healthy. Is what he's actually saying to them. Go away and learn what I'm saying to you. It was hypocritical on their behalf. And, you know, as I said, this year, my heart and my own walk is to close the gap with the songs I sing. Jesus be the center of the church. Well, who is the church? It's not Jesus have that seat in this building because that's about the center, is it? Of the building. It's our hearts. So when we sing, Jesus be the center of it all, you are singing, Jesus be at the center. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add everything unto you. It's a radical song to sing. I would suggest to you this year, if you can't sing that authentically, well, let's say this. No, here's two sides to this. Because really that's, that's prophetic in nature, that song, isn't it? You're actually, I think most of the songs are prophetic in nature. We're moving towards the reality that we proclaim. So you need faith to sing these songs. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Hallelujah. And I walk out the door and that all goes out. That was for here. 
That wasn't out there when it actually got to put into action. So let's apply faith to what we sing and what we say and believe that that gap this year will get shorter and shorter and shorter. Because once again, and this is what I'm going to unpack in a few weeks' time with the commandment, God has just taken me and just revealed why the commandment is the commandment. Simple question. Simon said it tonight. Why? Why is that statement the great commandment? What's so awesome about it that God would say out of everything it's this? And we're going to unpack that as we go forward this year more and more. Because, once again, I'm speaking to me. I want to be found where I'm supposed to be found in what the Scripture teaches me. So if Scripture teaches me that, Greg, I've given you a command to love me and your brothers and sisters like I love you, then I want to be found in that place before I'm doing anything else. Because that's a commandment. Does that make sense? So then, if I say I love you, do I? Or am I giving it lip service? Will you be able to say this year, you know what? I think he is. I think he might be. I don't know. Maybe someone in this room, we're going to have a relationship, not in friendship. Okay, <laughs> that came out wrong. But do you know what I mean? Maybe hopefully this year you'll see more of Christ in me, which will reflect in me loving you more. In the way I speak, in the way I act, in my mannerisms, just in the way I am, full stop. Because Jesus came and he demonstrated the kingdom. And he said, we are to demonstrate the same kingdom. See, it's a demonstration of his love, his power, his life on the earth that the church needs to see and the world needs to see, isn't it? Not just the proclamation of it, but without the reality of it. How about this one? How many reckon you're teachable here? There's not too many confident people. LJ, how teachable are you? This is the question I've been asking me. So every question I ask tonight, I'm actually asking myself, okay? God said, Greg, how teachable are you? Are you prepared to have someone come and say something that's completely outside of your reality and things that you may even be doing that you don't even know you're doing and they come and love to help you overcome this behavior, this attitude you have? Are you do you have a limit to your teachability? basically. And when it doesn't match up with what you think, because the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it only ends in death. So once again, let's test our humility. So we say we're teachable. My experience in Christian ministry and myself and others is, I don't think we are. Most people are. Most people get the hump. Most people walk away when things don't go right. Or they get hurt. Or someone wants to do something different. So there's a big question I'm asking me. Because I think I'm right. Anyone else? Especially when it's to do with Danielle. <laughs> Amen. 
What do you know, woman? God made man first. There's a reason for that. Hallelujah. No. She is there to help me to become one. And I for her. So I need to be open. My children have things to teach me this year. Am I humble enough to learn from an eight-year-old and a five-year-old? I hope so. Help me. And we're not alone at this. It's throughout Scripture. Come with me to Matthew 26. Just to encourage us that there were these people called the disciples. They were the tight 12. They were... They weren't just hand-picked like a willy-nilly. It wasn't like, oh yeah, you, 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 you. The Bible says that the father picked them for his son, that the son went to the father and together the father released who those men were going to be. So once again, it's like, yep, here you go, here are your men. And Jesus' own 12, uh, Matthew 26, 35, listen to these words. Peter said to him, Jesus, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. That's pretty bold, isn't it? And all the disciples said the same thing. Jesus, this is good. We're loving what you're doing. You're going to be sitting your your kingdom up on heaven, on earth soon. I'm going to be right at your right hand, aren't I? And they say that. Who's going to be at your right and your left hand in the kingdom? So I'm going to be there ruling with you, reigning with you, aren't I? No, 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 you, you know, I'm not going to deny you. Hell, I won't be denying anybody. And all the disciples went, yeah! Human will is what that is. Human strength, big bravado, all got it together until when? The day of pressure comes. The day to see when what I speak is actually going to be what I live, yeah? So come with me across to uh, 69, Matthew 26, 69. So just remember those words, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Be careful what you say. I'm learning this more and more. God will call you on it. He'll present an opportunity to see whether your words match your lifestyle. Why? For your growth. See, he knew. He even says he will deny me. He's way smarter than us, eh? But he still allows it to happen, see? For our growth. So here we go. In verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said, you too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. Hold on a minute, it's only on the other page he said this. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Slight contradiction, isn't there? When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. A little later, the bystanders came and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. 
and immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And the last part is a real powerful part that we need to capture. And he went away and wept bitterly. See, I believe in that moment there was a humbling that occurred in the heart of the man. There was a humbling of his own will being crushed where he realizes the words that I speak, I'm not living out. I say one thing and do another and the reality of it hits home. Who's the first person that Jesus comes to after his resurrection? Anyone know? Peter. Why? Because he comes to reinstate him from the posture that he was to the new posture that he's going to be. It's beautiful. It's an act of love. And so I don't, I would hate you to go away and, and feel, or, or even start beating yourself up. This is not what this is about. I'm not trying to beat myself up. But what I am trying to do is acknowledge, we need to acknowledge where we're at. Because many people don't, many Christians don't. We play games and God wants us in the fullness of what he has. And all you're doing playing games, you're never going to actually enter into the fullness of what he has. And you'll end up just going round and round and round a mountain in your Christianity. And it will be empty. And as we heard this morning, it'll be void of the spirit. You'll be frustrated. And you'll go, this God thing, him, I don't even know if he's real. And yet there is a tangible reality that we are to walk in and experience. And so each day and each week, that gap is smaller and smaller and God's love and his grace covers us. Amen? One last scripture and then I'm going to close. How do we close the gap so our lifestyle matches our words? Okay, once again, hear what I said before. We must acknowledge and repent of our current state of being, acknowledging that we cannot change ourselves. Sorry, we cannot change ourselves. Oh, that's bad English, Greg. <laughs> we must acknowledge and repent of our current state of being, acknowledging we cannot change ourselves, and then we need to pray for and seek a greater revelation of his love on the inside of us. So once again, don't rush off and go, right, I've got to come up with a five-point strategy of how that gap's going to get, whatever the measure is for you, how it's going to get shorter. Acknowledge the fact that the gap is there and I actually can't close it in my own strength. That's literally what I'm saying. Okay, listen to these words in Romans seven eighteen by the King James Version and the Amplified. For I know that in me, this is Paul, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to, the, for to will... For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. I have this desire to do good, but I lack something to be able to do it. Romans seven eighteen. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I call I can will what is right, but I cannot perform it. See, I can have a desire, I have a want to, want to, want to, want to, 
but actually in me I can't. There's nothing in me that can make that reality happen. I need more of God in me. He must increase so I can decrease, yeah? And then he says this, I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. Where's the power to be? In us. Christ in you is the hope of glory. So you could put it like this. Whether it's more of the Spirit, more of love, more of power, it's Him. So I need more of Him than what's currently in me. Meaning I need a greater revelation of the seed that's in me, which only the Holy Spirit can do. Hence, I need to acknowledge that firstly and then posture myself in humility to seek that engagement, that interaction. Does that make sense? Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Let me read that again. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill your good purpose. No, His good purpose. So let me say it again. Not only am I dependent on the Father to justify me, I'm dependent on the Father to fill me so I'm able to do what He calls me to do. Why do you think He said to the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until the power from on high has come upon you? I'm telling you right now, they would have not done what they were going to be able to do without the power from on high, which is God being baptized, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. And I was just reading this morning in Matthew 3.11 where John the Baptist says, I baptize with water. There is someone who is coming who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. There is a reality in the Spirit. And I share this by faith that many have yet to actually engage with. We have been filled to a measure, received him by faith, but there is a baptizo, a baptism, a filling, which, bang, which is available. We have to acknowledge the fact that if we haven't received it, that's okay. Because I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I'm moving forward. But go after it. Not in your own strength, in him. Posture yourself this year. And what will happen is that happens because it's him in you. You know what? What you say is more than what you do. The reality of what we sing will be a reality. So apply faith to it so you are on a journey for it to be reality. It's called an authentic expression. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these incredible people, part of this family, and I thank you for the church and this nation and the nations. And God, I pray that we would walk in humility more this year. I pray, Lord, that we would position ourselves to realize that there's nothing good in us that's just us, but you in us, Father. And that's not beating ourselves up. That's just realizing that we have a nature that is foreign to your nature. But, Lord, we, you've trumped us with your nature. And we want you to trump us more and more and more this year. And I pray that the spirit of revelation would reveal Living word to us this year, Lord. 
more and more that we have. I pray that we would be found where we are to be found. And I pray for an engagement with our spirit to your spirit, what we heard this morning. And I pray it would be your life that breathes like Jesus breathed into his disciples and like on that day of Pentecost when those 3,000 people were baptized and those people in the upper room were filled to an overflowing measure of your spirit, your power, your life, your love. Well, that is available to the church today, but may we be found seeking it. So with all authenticity, as we continue to grow and mature, that gap between what we say and our lifestyles will be getting shorter and shorter, and your glory will radiate from us. So Lord, have your way in us this year more and more. And I pray, Lord, if we need to repent of any posture we may be in or attitudes we're currently carrying, that we would. You'll hear that, work with that, and move with us in Jesus' name. Amen.